Let's come to God in prayer before we read from the chapter in Romans and Revelation. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you again for this day and for this opportunity to be here for, for this church. We thank you for your word. We thank you for stories of grace and for mercy. We thank you for stories of hope. Bless the reading and the proclamation of your word again this morning. And where the devil might be preventing us from hearing your word of truth, we know your spirit is more powerful. So pour out your spirit of truth and love upon us. In this hour and beyond, in your saving name we pray. Amen. So the first scripture reading uh, comes from Romans, Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. And then we'll flip to the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21, 1 through 8. So we got the four Gospels and then Acts of the Apostles, which we heard from the last couple of weeks. And now, this morning, Romans, following that. Romans 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, yet have, we wait for it patiently. In Revelation 21, verses 1 to 8, second last chapter of Revelation 21. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, 
they'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And this is the second death. So we've come to the eighth and final sermon of our series based on Kevin Adams' book, The Book That Understands You. And for those who get together in small groups or perhaps you study the book on your own, um, you'll be talking more about these two passages, uh, whether this evening or throughout the week if you're following the book. And as we've gone through uh, several biblical stories, I trust that you are connecting these stories from the Bible to your own life. How have we connected, been connected to the perfect creation made in God's image? How are we connected then into that tragic fall into sin? How are we connected to the struggles and the blessings of Abram and the Israelites? How are we connected to the cross and to the resurrection? And today... We talk about hope and how our story is connected to the story of the restoration of the world and the restoration of God's people. So this series began with the first book of the Bible with Genesis and it completes now with the last book with Revelation. But as mentioned, when we go back to Genesis, of course we had the perfect creation, but in Genesis 3, we heard that tragic story of humanity's fall into sin. But even in the midst of this tragedy, our God provided hope. And despite the circumstances in this world and the sin in people's lives, the Old Testament folks had the hope of in the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And that promise was fulfilled. The New Testament church began to share this hope. They began to share this good news with others. And we, who now live on the other side of the cross, we hope and await the return of Jesus. We hope and await for the complete restoration and fulfillment of God's good plan. In Romans 8... Paul states that the creation is frustrated, that people are frustrated. And there are times that things just feel that they are so hopeless. And so we have enough sense to know that things are not the way that they're supposed to be. And that means we hope for something better. So hope is not something tangible that one has. Otherwise, it wouldn't be hope. As Paul states in Romans 8, verse 24 and 25, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. You see, Paul assures us that hope is not of the normal human kind. Now, in our culture, we usually use often the word hope. And this room is probably full of hopes. I hope my sports team wins, but your team could lose. I hope you're having a good day, but your day could go either way. Some of you are hoping for a lot of snow this winter, and today we're off to a good start. And especially if you're into snow removal or sledding. But maybe after today, it's only going to be cold with no snow. 
Some of you hope that the stock markets will go up, but they might crash. As we heard with the children's message, some kids, some adults, hope for a certain Christmas present. But you may not get it, or it might break. Some of you hope that this service will only last an hour. Wishful thinking. (laughs) You see, often when we use the word hope, it's like, and I hope so. I hope this happens. It is wishful thinking. But true hope is not about wishful thinking. Rather, it's a complete assurance and confidence in something that we don't yet have. Now, faith and hope are closely linked. Faith is in the present. Hope is in the future. But I think if you don't have faith, you won't have the true hope. Without faith, it would just be wishful thinking. And when you do have hope in God's faithfulness and his promises, your faith will be made stronger in the present. So hope is an inevitable part of a Christian's life. And the nature of hope, as Paul states, is that it's something that we do not see right now, but it is promised to us. We can't see it, we can't taste it, we can't hear it, but we have that promise. We have hope of eternal life, and the hope of a new heaven, a new earth. And that future hope has an impact on our present faith, and how we live it out today. A couple years ago, I joined a youth group on a serve mission trip when we went to Austin, Texas. And this trip predominantly was ministry among the homeless and the street-level folks. In many cities in the United States, and even in Canada, there's what is called tent cities. Kingston had it, London probably has some. These are homeless camps, sometimes temporary, sometimes permanent often in places that the public will not normally come across. When we were in Austin, our group met some of the residents in a tent city, and it was deep into a forest. Now this particular tent city, it was a mess, and the people who lived there also thought that. And it was overwhelming. We went to begin to clean some of this up, to help clean it up, but it was so overwhelming that we actually didn't do any of the work that day. But instead, and we spent a couple of days that we were there, we connected with different people. We heard their stories. We shared ours. And one woman that we regularly connected with, was uh, her name was Gypsy. That's what she went by. And she didn't share her whole story of how she became homeless. But she shared part of her story. Where she moved from Florida due to circumstances in her relationship. And then she was unable to provide for herself, which eventually she was on the streets and eventually into this camp, Tent City. And she was content with living in Austin and in this Tent City. She also shared that she prayed to God each day, prayed to God for strength and for protection. And she said one night she woke up with a cougar staring at her from outside her covered area. And all went well. 
Gypsy said she also prayed for her fellow neighbors and for her daughters, which she had not seen for several years. And she also shared that based on her lifestyle and her health concerns, the doctors only gave her a couple months to live. But despite what appeared to be hopeless, she still felt God had his purposes for her on this earth. And she knew that she won't go until it's his timing. And then she will go willingly. She shared how she had hope, despite her physical circumstances, despite the living conditions she lived in. And her hope was one day she will meet face to face with another homeless person, Jesus Christ, and together share a home. We went on serve thinking, where was God going to use us to bring the gospel to his people? Where are we able to bring hope? Well, God used others, like Gypsy, to bring his gospel and his hope to us in areas that would seem so hopeless. I think Peter states it well in 1 Peter 1, where he says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Because of Jesus and his resurrection, Jesus is alive. And we serve a risen, living Savior. And on account of that, we have a living hope. Hope is not based on our circumstances and events in our life. Hope is not based on how our day is going. But our hope is founded in Christ's life and death and resurrection. Our hope is on account of Jesus. So we now go to our reading from John, the author of Revelation. And John is referring to a new heaven and a new earth. And yes, as we read from Romans, sin has frustrated the earth. But God is promising us restoration. And we have hope in the restoration of this world and God's people. And we read further how God will dwell among his people. And we're again reminded how God is our God and we are his people. And how God will wipe away the tears. And now that's, if you think about it, that's quite a compassionate and personal thing to do. It's like a mother wiping away the tears of of a child. God's going to be wiping away our tears. And there's going to be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Living in the circumstances that we live in now, perhaps it's difficult to comprehend and understand all this. But this is not just wishful thinking. This is confidence and assurance that this will happen because we have hope in Christ. So in Revelation 21, we focus on our new life in Christ. Where according to verse 5, Jesus says, I am making everything new. Now please don't be mistaken that this new life is already futuristic. This new life is already being worked out in the present. Jesus is already making things new. And yet we have this hope as we look forward to this new day when Christ will return and completely renews us and restores us and his world. You see, Jesus is in the ministry of restoration. 
And he's not talking about making all new things. But he's rather talking about making things new. He's going to restore what's already there. I was driving through Clinton last week and happened to see a trade business with their tagline as restoration specialists. And this business is in the business of restoring damaged property. If there's damage on account of water, water or fire or flooding or vandalism or sewer backup, even skunk damage, they are not afraid to get dirty and make things new. They're not in the business of construction, but they're in the business of reconstruction. They do not make new things, but they make things new. They're restoration specialists. Revelation 21 talks about God's restoration plan for his people. God's not making new things out of us. He's making us new. And this promise is already being fulfilled as we speak. The process of restoration has begun. God does not make all new things, but God makes all things new. And he's working on our hearts and our minds and our bodies as we speak. And we have hope. We're getting glimpses of that today. But we don't fully see it yet. For those who watch CTV London News this week, there was uh, the segment on suicide. And the reporter interviewed Chris and Chrissy Heemstra from Elmer, whose son Jordan, grade 12 student from London Christian School, took his life six weeks ago. And it was a powerful story that the parents shared, and it was a powerful story of hope and help in the midst of tragedy. The reporter ended the one segment and stated how those contemplating suicide feel that they have no hope. People in these situations feel there is lack of hope. And yes, we still live with mourning, with crying, With tears, we live with sin. We live in frustration. And sometimes people will even make the statement, I have no hope. And one day, all things, including you, will be completely renewed when Jesus comes again to make all things new. Even in times that seem so hopeless in the present, There is always hope in Jesus where our minds, our hearts, our bodies will be renewed. Do you want change in your life? Do you want to see what appears so hopeless turn to hope? Well, this is something that you can't do yourself. It's something that the restoration specialist business can't even do for you. We can try to enter into the business of transforming ourselves, but it is God who makes us, who makes things new through His Son, Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit of Jesus to enter into your life and to transform things beyond your understanding. This restoration business advertises that when things are in such disarray, you need the experts in. And that's the way it is with our spiritual lives, too. We need to allow Jesus to be the expert cleaner in our life. Allow the Spirit of Jesus to transform us and to make everything new. Let God take care of making things new. There is hope in Jesus.
And God's powerful enough to do this restoration on his own. He's done this through his son, Jesus Christ, who's our restoration specialist. But God will not hesitate to involve others in this restoration process. God will use subcontractors. He'll use his church. He will use people that he puts into our path. We're involved in his kingdom work and we're called to be obedient to his mission. Today's passage is realizing that it is God who is making everything new. And renewal doesn't only mean physical and external changes, but renewal includes spiritual and internal changes. And God does this by renewing our hearts and our minds. And when we are saved by Jesus, it makes a difference in our life and in our response. Allow Jesus to work his restoration in us. Life is messy. The world is frustrated. And in our journey, we'll continue to mess things up. And God will continue to be our God. And we, his people. And he will continue to work in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. He will continue to extend his grace into our lives. And he'll continue the process of restoring us. Because God doesn't give up on us. And he continues to transform our minds and our hearts and calls us to respond to him in obedience. We can respond by working with God in this process. Spend time with God. Spend time in devotions, reading and studying the scriptures, the living word, to understand the living hope. And I know with youth and young adults and adults, life is busy. And sometimes you might just think, well, I don't have time to do spending the word. Ah, oh, that'll come later in life. Take the time now. You will not regret it. Spend time in conversation with God, praying, listening to Him, and the Holy Spirit will transform you through God's Word. Allow God's Word to encourage you, to shape you, to change you. So personal devotions are necessary and important. But God deserves more and we need more. So God puts us into community because we're unable to do things ourselves. It is by His Holy Spirit that He changes us, but He will use those around us to assist in His restoration process, His sub-trade, so to speak. As broken as God's church is on this earth, perhaps some of you have been hurt by the church, but our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ is still the head of the church. And each one of us are the members. We members each have our role of encouraging and discipling and fellowshipping and even holding one another accountable. And we do this within community. So respond to God by coming together regularly as a community. Plug yourself into the weekly worship service. Each worship service is an opportunity in which God renews and restores His people through the reading and the preaching of His Word. Respond to God's grace and love by taking advantage of the extracurricular worship activities in the church. Plug yourselves into a small group, whether that be Sunday school or youth group or seniors group or living small groups in Bible studies. Volunteering for things such as friendship groups, areas of outreach ministries, or any other ministries in the church. 
These are all areas in which God will use us to grow and to grow his kingdom. Jesus is our restoration specialist. So knowing that, how are you going to live your life today? Knowing that, how does that impact your worship? How does that impact your desire for missions? Does that change how you see your family? Does it change how you view your friends? Or what about your enemies? How do you relate to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Does it change every single one of your relationships? Does it impact your everyday living? How does it change how you view yourself? Let your hope in Jesus change your life today and for eternity. Because verse 8 in Revelation 21, it states an alternative. And hell is real. But when you are God's child, there's no worries about this. Have hope in Christ alone. And that is why it's important to share the hope that we have in Christ with others. And allow others to share it with us. Share your stories. Listen to other stories. The work we do in this world, the play we do in this world, the worship we do in this world matters today. What we do today has an impact on us and others tomorrow. Let Jesus be the restoration specialist of your life today. And may Jesus be your only hope in this life until he comes again. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you for your grace, for your love. We thank you for the hope that we have in you and in your return to this earth. For the hope that, are you, that you are making everything new and that you are in the process of this already now. But we look forward to the time when you will completely restore this world and your people. We thank you that despite the circumstances in this world and in our lives that we can turn to you and you have already claimed us as your own. Thank you that we can belong to you in life and in death, that you are a faithful Savior and for the hope that we have in Christ. So increase our faith, increase our boldness so that we don't keep this good news to ourselves but share with your people in our places of influence. Through the power of your Holy Spirit and your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.